The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Thursday, September 3rd, and Gambling Week rolls right along. That's right, Gambling Week. We uh, we have covered win totals with R.J. White. We covered division odds with Larry Hartstein. Kelly Stewart was on yesterday talking about Super Bowl odds, and now joining us to talk about uh, awards picks and props, I guess they're, I guess they're props, not really props, but like MVP, offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Drew Densick, aka Whale Capper, now under your real name on Twitter, or is it still at Whale underscore Capper on Twitter? It's still at Whale underscore Capper. It's uh, it's tough to change that, but uh, you can see my real you face. You away now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, people people probably just type in Whale to see what uh, you know what's going on on my page. So uh, uh, can't, sure can't disconnect. If- if you are into NFL gambling and if you listen to this podcast, presumably you at least dabble your toe in that arena. Check out the deep dive podcast with Andy and the whale. Uh, of course, Andy was going to join us actually, but he is, um, pitching a tent. No euphemism in, uh, <laughs> in, in, uh, in Yellowstone Park right now on a vacation. Um, do you guys, and, and the, they, they're great at handicapping football games. Um, I've heard from multiple people independently who are like, I tail their stuff all the time. You guys do a great job. The, the podcast is very informative. I listen to it every week. And you do halftime periscopes, which usually involve Andy by a campfire drunk. Yes, that's exactly the, the look we're going for. Exactly. <laughs> which is a good look. <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to use uh, – I want to point out, Drew, you, you noted as we were about to start that props and awards may be a way to focus your attention in 2020 because of the unknown surrounding – win totals and all oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, in a normal year, um, like around May, I kind of start putting together my numbers, really okay. looking hard at the win total market because once the draft is over, there are very few moving pieces. Um, you know, you really kind of know what you've got to go going to warrant to, you know, for the season. Um, obviously, there, there usually are some preseason injuries. There's some, you know, some weird camp news that might change your opinion on stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, this year in May and June, it was not clear at all that we were going to get a full 16 game season. So I kind of pivoted a lot of my uh, focus on. Okay, well, they're still going to give out an MVP, even if they only play like 10 or 12 games, like they're still going to give out the awards. So let's look at these markets a little bit more closely, see if we can identify some value. And, um, you know, so I kind of spent a little bit of time crafting a little 
okay, this is a thesis. Like if you can only win the MVP, if X, Y, and Z happen, like who qualifies for that? Like, yeah. you know, and you, you know, if you, you shop around and find some prices, you can uh, absolutely put together a nice little portfolio of picks that have a uh, plus EV. So that was kind of my entire uh, summer really prepping for the NFL more than in a normal year where I would lean heavy into win totals and try to get down uh, as much as I could before those numbers start to move. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, the reality is we didn't know we were going to have an NFL season. I mean, I remember, I guess I wrote the win totals piece in May. I don't remember if I, I, I think I, I'm sure I did, but I don't, nothing, nothing is real in pandemic world and, and <laughs> nothing ever happened. And, you know, if you do win totals, if you bet on win totals, even if you do them on a credit book, you're still tying up, like on a credit book, you can, you know, you can put down, you can, you know, risk 350 to win 300 or whatever it is, or risk 150 to win 100, you know, you're still tying up part of your credit on that book. If you put down an actual win total in Vegas, you have to put down the full amount that you want to bet in cash with the book or on your account if you have an online account, and they're going to hold it until the end of the season. And I don't know if you – I mean, you know this, Drew, and I know this, and everybody who's betting should know this. If there's 10 games played this year, they're not going to refund you when the first game skips. No. They're going to refund oh, no. in February or, in, yeah. or after week 17, like yeah. they always do. Yeah. I have a bunch of people that listen to this podcast, I hope, and a bunch of friends of mine bet on Tom Brady, which roster will he be on come week one of the 2020 NFL season? And they bet the Buccaneers because the, the line didn't move fast enough to account for the information. Well, do you think that the books paid it out after free agency or do you think they're going to pay oh, it out in week one? Because, you man. know, what they would love is for – you know, I mean, not like they want Tom Brady to be involved in some like Jeffrey Epstein ring and like he has to retire <laughs> yeah. or he's like cut by the bucks. But I mean, you know, they like, yeah, they're going to wait as long as possible. So it would suck to take, let's say you want to put $300 in the Lions over. You go and put down, I guess. So what would you would have to lay what? Uh, that's a bad example. Let's pick a team. The Raiders over is plus 100. You want to put a yeah, 300 right. bucks in the Raiders over. You got to put down 300 bucks and you're not going to see that 300 bucks. And no matter what until late in the game, it's a, it's a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's been a lot of this going on in the gambling space. You get where sure. the players are getting free rolled, right? Like right. they can, they, they can sit there and they're like, okay, well, uh, you know, and you know, there, uh, there's a lot of rules about a lot, a lot on a lot of these wagers. You know, baseball has been pretty stark in terms of how, uh, the books have been handling this where, um, you know, it's, it, it's not clear like what the, exactly the rule is and they may not decide one way or the other until they know what, which, which outcome, you know, better suits them. Right. Uh, exactly. So, yeah. So you're right. Like, um, you know, they also, by the way, if I, by the way, if I look at it, if I look in the, in an opposite, if I look away from the camera, it's not because I'm not listening. I'm sweating sure. out a, a Kim Pagula, uh, laugh <laughs> at my parlay on oh, she's uh, the Bill's owner's daughter. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She rolled in her first set. Now yeah. she's she was great last week too. Yeah, she's yeah. struggling against a Belgian girl named Flipkins. The, the tennis mm. sweat is is real. I like the it tennis. Is. Sweat. It is. It is. It's a roller coaster. The, the, yeah. It's a, the back and forth in a given match is just wild, especially women's tennis. They uh, yeah. the peaks and valleys are really, uh, uh, really something. Well, and I think too, one of the things that tennis you watch it and you realize, man, you can if you are smart and know what you're doing. And I don't always do that. Like I'm bad about live betting sometimes. You could definitely get some plus numbers on both sides in, in tennis, right? It feels like more so than even football. And I wonder, is that something you ever try to do when you're watching oh, football yeah. to try yeah. and snack? Cause if for people who are listening, if they don't understand, get it, like if you, if you're, if you bet on a team that is losing, you're going to get them at plus money more than likely, unless it's the Chiefs. Um, and then if you get a plus money on one side and a plus money on the other side, you know, if you bet a hundred dollars on each one, you get 
plus 150 on each one, you're making 50 bucks. Risk-free. And that is a risk-free 50 bucks. So that's the ideal world with live betting. How much of that are you incorporating in your strategy for 2020? Another solid question because, again, like in breaking down the teams, I would normally be all about like looking at their schedule, trying to find value in the win totals, right? Uh, but this year, I spent a lot more time thinking about like, okay, what's the blueprint of this team? What's their identity? Do they have the makeup of a team that can come back or a team mm. that can put away wins, right? Because like a lot of people will look at running game or wide receivers or, you know, just or defense and, and think of it in the context of fantasy football. Um, but realistically, like if you have a strong running game, that's important for you to, you to put away a lead. Right. Sure. If you're good at stopping the run. That gives your team an opportunity to come back in games. Right. So a team like the Bucks is probably a good example. Like they have one of these you know, best run stopping units in the league. They have Tom Brady, at quarterback. They have outstanding weapons in the passing game. That is a team that down multiple touchdowns. I will fire on easily. Like yeah. absolutely no concern at all. They will fight, fight their way back into games if they are down. Like, and, and then you can flip the script and say, uh, you know, there are some teams, um, actually even like, like the Bucks, like their pass defense is not great. Their pass rush is not great. Uh, and their running game is a little suspect uh, behind the kind of, you know, bottom half offensive line, which means if they're up two touchdowns, it's not going to be necessarily easy for them to put away games. Right. So there are teams like that where I think over the course of the season, you'll have opportunities either at halftime or live in game, uh, to take shots either for Bucks to come back or uh, or for them to uh, to choke away a big lead. Another example would be, too, like let's say the Seahawks are um, at home against, I don't know, the uh, Bengals, just for to make a whatever example. And the Seahawks are favored by five and a half points. Well, take the, take the Bengals on the money line and hope that the Seahawks will try to run, 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 and not let Russ cook won't score early, and then if the Seahawks get down, maybe the Bengals are a bad example, but you get the point, then the Bengals get de- Bengals get up, grab the Seahawks on the live money line, and then just leave leave the game alone. Yeah, and you've gotten both sides with some kind of profit out of the game. Like, you don't have to squeeze. I'm terrible at this. I, mean, I think I have to, like, hit a home run every time. You don't have to do it. If you're, if you're good bankroll management and if you're smart, better, you know that you need, like, you just need to hit singles and hit singles, and then along will come, you know, some kind of, like, you know, occasionally, uh, like, we're in a, you and I are in a group chat and I've been a little absent. I'm going to get back in for football, but like the 49ers Packers game on Monday night football in the middle of 2019, it was like, this is the slammer. Yeah. Like the 49ers are going to bloodbath the Packers. Everyone load on the 49ers early. And that's one where you're not going to get it live sure. because they're up so early so quick. But I think like you have to sort of, you sort of have to hit those singles more often than people do. Niners, another perfect example of like having a good betting strategy on them. Like if they're up at halftime, like I'll keep firing away. I'm not taking a shot on the other team because guess what? The Niners can run the ball. They can play keep away and their pass rush is going to make it extremely difficult for you to come back on that team. Right? Like, you know, those are kind of the recipes you need. Like if you're a defense that has a strong pass rush uh, and, and, or, you know, very solid cover corners, then you're, it's going to be tough for teams to come back on you if you have a multi, you know, a two score lead. Uh, and vice versa, if, uh, if you're a team with a weak pass rush and a weak, uh, weak pass defense, uh, then you're going to have a, a much tougher time putting away those leads. So I think if you have kind of a conceptual framework of like what a team's strengths and weaknesses are, what their DNA is really in terms of their path to victory, uh, I think that you, you can use that to your advantage to hit singles because 
uh, you know, anyone that's been sports betting for a long time knows it's not easy. Uh, and that's no more true than the NFL. Like if you, know, you don't, you, you're definitely not going to get rich doing this, you, 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 but uh, it's, a, it's the most enjoyable part of uh, right. the entire yeah. sports experience. So you're not, you shouldn't be diving into <laughs> like, you shouldn't be diving into betting on the NFL thinking like I'm going to retire from my day job. <laughs> By the way, sorry for slapping the microphone. I a bug has flown into my office and is assaulting me. It's, it's terrifying during this podcast. And I'm assuming Debo will, will get a gift of that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the other thing too is that, you know, a lot of, a lot of times these lines come out on Sunday night for the following week's games. You're not going to be able to bet them throughout the week because there's going to be a lot of uncertainty about who's playing, you know? So maybe live betting even becomes more of a thing this year than it normally would. Cause you know, I don't, I I don't know if you'll feel comfortable putting a bet down until 1130 when you see inactives, because you know, what if it's like, Hey, by the way, Matthew Stafford's inactive. Then the Packers minus three and a half is an absolute slammer. And that line's going to move seven points, you know? Yeah. You just have to be, uh, have your ear to the ground and get that Matthew Stafford's going to be out news before everyone else so that you can get bears plus three when it closes minus six right right right. And now, <laughs> which happened and, last year yeah and by, and by the way yeah. that, that issue that is exactly what happened cam newton and the cardinals too there's yeah, an opportunity to buy on both Absolutely sides right. Absolutely so that's a little right. strategy but let's get to the in uh the mvp chatter um everybody wants to know true what is what who like who's this year's lamar jackson or the year prior patrick mahomes mm. and unfortunately because everybody was trying to find that Kyler Murray, who would be the, uh, like, the guy that you might pick for that, is now 20 to 1 to win the MVP. Yeah. At 50 to 1, I love Kyler Murray. At 20 to 1, I, I don't know that I can back it because he's in, he's in there with the favorites are Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, uh, Mahomes is 3 and a half to 1, Lamar 6 to 1. These are via William Hill Sportsbook, our pals over there. Russell Wilson, 8 to 1, Deshaun, 14 to 1, Dak, 15 to 1, Tom Brady, 16 to 1, Drew Brees, 18 to 1, Kyler, 20 to 1, and Wentz, 25 to 1, because no one would call him Carson, just like you would never call Doug Peterson Doug. Um, Aaron Rodgers also 25 to 1, and then we get to Saquon Barkley at 30 to 1. Any of those, you know, I, you didn't say this, but I think you meant it. When you look at the, the, um, the, the DNA for an MVP pick, yeah. even in this weird year, you're still going with a quarterback who can win a lot of games, right? Here, that, that is where it starts and ends. Yeah. yeah. It, it, don't, don't, don't get too fancy. Don't think like, oh, well, this running back could like in today's NFL, uh, the amount of usage a running back would have to get to p- compile stats that would overwhelm, uh, you know, the, the rest of the quarterbacks at the top of the market is just insane. So I, I'm completely out on wide receivers, running backs. I'm only looking at quarterbacks. The, um, the only yeah. way I would like a wide receiver or running back is if you could tell me this is going to be a 10 game season. And then, that's fair. Yeah. That's a great yeah. point, actually. Yeah. That's because, very like, true. Because Christian McCaffrey was at least in the conversation eight weeks in, but he wasn't going to win. Like Lamar, you know, Lamar or Dak were still going to get it. If yeah, you yeah. bet Saquon Barkley 30 to one to win the MVP or you're about to go do it, stop, DM me yeah. and I will take whatever amount of money yeah. you want for Saquon Barkley. <laughs> buy her, buy her wife a nice bouquet of yeah. flowers, take her out to dinner. Do not put that bet down on Saquon Barkley. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. one of my least favorite on the whole board. That's one of the most. It is the least favorite. He's a, he's the, he's above Matt Ryan. He's above Matt Ryan. That's all you need to be said. It's, so it's crazy. It, is there anybody in that upper echelon of guys that you would target? Either because you think it could happen, obviously Mahomes could win the MVP in Lamar, or because you think there's any inherent value there. Yeah. So in a normal year, I'm usually staying away from the top of the market because of the risk of injury uh, and just in general, uh, they've been overbet. 
Uh, if you make the point about Kyler Murray, yeah, he reasonably pr- should be priced 40 to 50 to one, but he's been absolutely steamed to two oblivion at this point. So there's no way you can put a bet on that now. Right. Um, and too much has to go right for the Cardinals, really. You know, like they, it's, it, they would have to take an enormous leap to go from five and 11 to, uh, you know, to 11 and five. That's asking a lot for a team. Um, but uh, in a normal year, I'm staying away from the top. And this year, doubling down, staying away from the top, because not only do you have a higher risk of injury with no preseason, you have a higher risk that a quarterback misses two important games because he gets COVID, right? Yep. And you have uh, it just in general a, a more, lot more uncertainty in terms of uh, how many games are going to be played, which you know brings into this, you know small sample size. Somebody could go nuclear for eight weeks, and that could be your guy, right? So there are a lot of reasons to stay away from the top of the MVP market this year. Um, and I honestly, I, I don't love any of these numbers, especially, uh, you know, for guys, you know, yeah, guy like, uh, uh, Pat Mahomes, for instance, like he won it two years ago, he compiled some absolutely ridiculous stats. Um, not only would they have to get 13 wins in the number one seed likely, um, but he would have to kind of match previous year's performance in a year where, uh, you know, the chiefs have kind of learned, Hey, we don't necessarily need to go wire to wire being the best team. Uh, we can just flip the switch in December, right? Like yeah. that's kind of my read on that team overall. Like well, I would, and- wouldn't be surprised at all if they just kind of play, uh, you know, play a little bit below <laughs> their ceiling until, you know, the games really matter. So even uh, down the stretch, Mahomes is playing better football than he had in his entire career. Great point. He wasn't putting up huge numbers because the defense is playing better. And he sort of like they were just blowing, they were getting leads and just squatting on them. Um, yeah. The other yeah. thing too, I would say, and I think you're spot on. The the phrase I like to use for it is voter fatigue. Great so point. people do not like to vote for MVPs back to back years. They will try and find somebody else to win. That's why Peyton Manning lost to Adrian Peterson in the MVP sure. race because they were just yeah. like, no, nah, no, nah, can't do it. Uh, Lamar Jackson, therefore, at six to one. He has to replicate last year. Anything right. sort of last year, he will not win. And the other, the other thing too, when you think about voter fatigue, Bill Belichick and Mike Shashevsky haven't won a coach of the year award since like 2014. That's insane and stupid, but it's because people are like, well, they met expectations. Yeah. Like if Patrick Mahomes wins 12 games and throws for 4,500 yards, no one's going to be like, was he transcendent? There'll be Absolutely somebody else true. who transcends the, the, the average that they'll vote for, whether it's like a Dak Prescott or, or whoever. So, yeah, Absolutely I agree true. with you completely. Yeah. Out of and the, the, and the, the voters, realistically, they're going to pick the quarterback for a team that either A, broadly exceeds expectations, yes. or B, gets the one or two seed, right? Like they have to be at the top of the standings. People always look to reward, uh, you know, the top of the standings. And so you, you really can kind of narrow this down to there's really only about uh, 12 teams in the league that I think can realistically get a one, two seed in the AFC NFC. Uh, and we can start crossing guys off just based on price, like Mahomes and, and Lamar Jackson. And I think you can whittle your way down pretty quickly here uh, to some bettable numbers. I'm looking at um, first one that catches my eyes yeah. is Jim, Jimmy G at 33 to one. Yes. Um, the San Francisco 49ers, not only do they have an exceptionally soft schedule to start, um, but I think the like the narrative last year, the reason he wasn't in the conversation was because everybody assumed, hey, they're getting it done with defense, right? Like this, they're not they're not winning games because of Jimmy G's performance. They're winning games because the defense is awesome, right? Well, their schedule a little bit uh, a little bit um, you know tougher for the defense to replicate their outstanding performance last year. We know defense is not necessarily predictable from year to year anyway. It's more of a reflection of the teams you play. Um, and so I think if the Niners are going to 
repeat in terms of, you know, dominating the NFC this year, it's going to have to be on the back of Jimmy G taking a step forward. You add into this third year under Kyle Shanahan, that was the exact recipe that uh, Matt Ryan needed to get the MVP award when he was, uh, uh, you know, led the Falcons to the, the um, Super Bowl for, uh, for Atlanta. And, you know, it's the, the weapons. I love Kittle. He is going to be absolutely unstoppable. He is a perfect safety blanket. I'm hopeful that Debo Samuel is available for uh, the full season because the wide receiving core is a little thin outside of that. Um, but uh, if you're going to give me Kyle Shanahan, and if you're going to give me a team that is as complete as the 49ers uh, and a team that is likely to get, you know, the, you know, the one of the top two most likely to get to double digit wins uh, and their quarterback is 33 to one, I'm making that bet every time. I, I like Garoppolo too. I think he's undervalued. I, I wish, I wish he was closer to 50 to one, but I think yeah, yeah. there's probably some sense out there in the market that to your point, like this is a guy who could capture the one seed yeah. and he completed 70%, almost 70% of his passes for 4,000 passing yards, 27 touchdowns and 13 interceptions coming off a torn ACL. Yes, exactly. Like that's a pretty yeah. good season for, 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 for a guy like that. He's 28 and yeah. Cal, the, the pass catchers is a problem, but I'll say this. If Debo comes back and Brandon Ayuk is able to get healthy and like they have Kendrick Bourne, that's actually a narrative push. Like, Hey, sure. he, he, he threw for 4,500 yards with no true number one receiver Great and point. he, you know, he, the offense took off and maybe they'll have to keep pace with Seattle and LA and, uh, and, and Arizona and, and you end up getting uh, a bunch of shootouts. Yeah, what realistically, about- that's that's a great point. Yeah, no, they're in a, their division ha- has upgraded offensively across the board, so they're yep. going to have to score points. You, that's a great point, and and not to rub it in, but like, it did used to be fifty to one. Do you have fifty to one? We ground that number down real good. Okay, I still I still think thirty three to one is value. Um, yeah. I would I would make this twenty five to one if I was uh, making fair prices here. Um, so I think that's still worth firing on, but it, the the, the you know, the situation is just very, very solid. Like, realistically, Saints, Niners, clearly the top of the NFC. And Drew Brees is 18-1. to Jimmy G is 33-1. to uh, And, you know, just top to bottom, you know, younger arm, you know, better, better Drew Brees overall. Had a, you know, high, Jimmy Garoppolo had a better season than, Jim, than Drew Brees last year. Just not, to yeah. And, and on top of that, guess what? Jimmy G has room to grow, right? right? Like in this, in the same narrative space, like if he takes a step forward, like literally people are just going to be all over it. Like it is, it is, it is a, you know, it's, it's paved with uh, uh you know, potential. And so that's uh, that's probably my favorite look. Um, all right. I'm putting that one down as nice. Jimmy G. Um, all right. My, uh, my co-host Andy made a very strong case for Ben Roethlisberger at 50 to one. Sure. Uh, which again, you know, kind of in the same vein where the Steelers got it done with defense last year. If they had an average quarterback performance, they're clearly a playoff team. Um, and the defense likely to take some sort of step back this year, even though they're, you know, basically the same unit. Um, and Roethlisberger with the, you know, the changes he's made in his life and, you know, being, <laughs> being a, Loves Jesus. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Big. Yeah. He's got the big, big J behind him this year. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a t- team that is absolutely loaded with, uh, wide receiving talent, uh, solid offensive line. Uh, it's tough for me not to like Roethlisberger at 50 to one. Um, but the Steelers have to somehow get ahead of the, the Ravens in that division, which is going to be super tough. So not, not my, not my favorite, but, uh, Andy had a very compelling case for that. Um, uh, the narrative train will be big on big Ben for sure. Oh, yeah. And it's, it, I mean, the, the, the comeback player of the year is between Ben and, uh, and Cam Newton, whoever, 
uh, wins more games between those guys is your comeback player of the year. And it's possible that they give comeback player of the year to Cam and uh, MVP to Ben if, if uh, Ben shows out. So uh, that'll be interesting. And then uh, the other one that catches my eye, and this is, I don't have a whole, I don't have a ton of hot takes about this season um, in general. Like, Are you about which, to drop a Detroit Lions are good on us? No, no. Okay. Um, I hate, I do, I'm not a Matt Patricia guy. Uh, count me out on Matt. I'm betting on, I'm betting on Matthew Stafford to win MVP. Okay. I, I, I'd love to hear your case in a okay. second. I like a guy that's at the same price in the AFC and it is Ryan Tannehill at 66 oh. to one. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have a ton of hot takes. I think the rich pretty much got richer across the board, right? Um, the Titans have a sneaky loaded roster. They have very, very solid players at every important position. They have a solid offensive line. Tannehill has a young, diverse set of receiving weapons. And, uh, you know, people largely think that, you know, Derrick Henry was responsible for their playoff run last year. And granted, he was awesome in a couple of those games, especially, you know, kind of putting away the Patriots, putting away the uh, Ravens. Um, but, you know, if you break down the stats a little bit, you know, more in depth, um, Ryan Tannehill's performance over the last eight weeks of the season was flat out awesome. He was so, so, so good. And if he is even close to that level in terms of his completion percentage, in terms of his, uh, you know, his expected points added, uh, this, uh, this Titans team is going to be a lot better than people think. Um, there's kind of an overwhelming push to kind of look for a long shot in the AFC and people have all kind of clamored onto the Indianapolis Colts because now they've upgraded at quarterback because they brought in Philip Rivers and Frank Reich's obviously a great coach and they have all this young talent, but like where they're strong, like, a weak, you know, like an off-ball linebacker, a guard, you know, like yeah. where they're like especially talented. I'm kind of like, eh. It's the opposite you know? of like when you say the cornerstones of pass rusher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, those guys are freaking awesome. They may be the best players at their position in the league, but like they still have some huge weaknesses on that team. Um, meanwhile, the Titans, I think, are, are pretty complete, pretty strong. And, you know, Vrabel got those guys bought in. Like he he got that locker room bought in big time last year with that run that they had going on the road, beating the Texans week 17, beating the Patriots at on the road week in the, uh, in the wild card round, beating the Ravens in the, you know, uh, in the divisional round. That was a hell of a run. I think he's got uh, buy-in from all these guys. And I think the Titans are going to be pretty good. And the thing, you know, what actually kind of tipped the scales for me with the Titans, because a, a lot of people in the analytics community are like, look, X, Y, and Z are unrepeatable. Like they're going to take huge steps backwards, right? Like, you know, it's inevitable, right? That they're going to regress. Um, but like you look at their schedule, they have a week one game uh, at Denver, which is obviously tough. You don't really ever want to go play at altitude early in the season. It's tough mm-hmm. on your young, on your team. Um, but from week two to week, uh, I think 10 or 11, they only leave Tennessee uh, twice. So they have this like eight game stretch where they are going to be comfortable in their home. Uh, they, you know, all of their 50, 50 games, teams have to come to them. And I know we're not, I'm not making a ton out of home field advantage this season, but for sure early in the season, as teams are kind of figuring out how to travel correctly, like when to leave, like how to work all of the kind of weirdness that is going to exist uh, through the month of September and October. Like I definitely think it's advantage if you get to stay home and have everyone come to you early in the season, I think it sets up Tennessee pretty well. Uh, to kind of come out of the gates and just fire wins, 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 wins. Uh, and uh, that can build a little narrative for Ryan Tannehill. So his per 16-game average last year as a starter, just including the games, because he started 10 games, I think. Yeah. He would have averaged – or his 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 per 16-game numbers would have been 4,150 yards, 35 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 69.6% completion rate, 
and uh, 9.6 yards per attempt, 10.4 adjusted yards per attempt, not to mention 290 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns. I mean, that's that that would win you the MVP if the Titans win 12 games. So I guess it it depends on if you're – and one of the other things that uh, sort of flew under the radar, and I've seen a lot of fantasy analysts point this out, but, like, A.J. Brown, you'd be like, well, A.J. Brown's numbers are unsustainable. Yes, but his snaps and usage rate were not where they could have been. Like, I mean, if he plays a full season and is 75% of what he was, they have a monster on their hands. Yeah, yeah, and – I mean, realistically, just a bunch of young talent in the receiving core across the, you know, across the whole, uh, you know, the whole front starting set, yeah. you know, starting, starting, Johnny starting Smith unit. East. Johnny Smith, decent. Absolutely. And, and um, you're, yeah. you're, well, to your point about closing out games too, like you got, you got to have victories. You got to have a team that wins a division to get MVP. If Tannehill is really efficient early in games and they get leads, they're going to close teams out because they can rush the passer and run the ball. And that's, it doesn't matter what happens in the second half of games. If his numbers are there, and they're yeah. winning football games, he'll be in the discussion. So I, I, I'm, I'm with yeah. you. Really, Tennessee, if they can compile eight, nine wins out of their first 11 games, um, the narrative is going to be there that, hey, because you know, early in the season, weather's a lot better, passing is a lot easier, Tannehill should be able to show out, right? And yeah. you're right, they can put away wins with Derrick Henry late, uh, and uh, they have some very solid players in the secondary. One of the sneaky, sneakily one of the better secondaries across the entire NFL. Um, so it's going to be tough to come back on this team. And um, yeah, it's, it's all you need is kind of through Thanksgiving, the t- Titans are at the top of the, you know, oh my gosh, they might steal the one seed in the AFC. It's all because of Tannehill has been so awesome this year. Who knew he was this good? And then at that point, like, you know, feed Derrick Henry all through yeah. December, just boom, 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 you know, put, put it away, put the, put and away. Tannehill's the running play action yeah, shots really, down the field. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. no, yeah. no problem at all. So it, the, the recipe is there for Tannehill. And again, uh, you know, one of a few teams that I think can realistically steal the one seed in the AFC and their quarterback is 66 to one. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, Rivers at 50 to one. I, I, I understand why nobody wants to be on it, but you know, there's reasonable value. Like, and then Matthew Stafford, who I like, my argument there is I actually don't hate Baker Mayfield at 50 to one either, but I think with Stafford and Mayfield, a, a lot more has to go right for them to get that one seed or to get that high on the, on the list. And it is a shortened off season. Stafford was on pace for 5,000 yards and 40 passing touchdowns. If you played a full season. So if the lions win that division and win 10 games, even if they're like the three seed or the four seed, I can see a scenario and Stafford plays 16 games and has those numbers and he fits Daryl Bevel's system, right? They, they want to run and take deep vertical shots. Bevel got killed in Seattle because of the, the Marshawn Lynch, um, you know, the interception against the Patriots in Super Bowl 49, but he's pretty much been a very good OC everywhere he's gone. And Stafford was thriving in his system. So I think a second year in that Kenny Galladay breaks out. Marvin Jones is playing for a, a contract. I love Galladay. I, I think is could be wide receiver one in fantasy. Um, to me, the value at Stafford at 66 to one is absolutely worth taking a gamble on. But I think like, I don't, I would rather put down, let's say you're betting a hundred bucks in the MVP. Don't bet a hundred bucks on Mahomes at three and a half to one. Bet 25 on Stafford. There you go. Then Tannehill and Jimmy G. And then there if one of those hits, you have a, you've paid for your whole season. Yeah. That's a great, great approach. And I support all that. I like the Stafford call too. Uh, you know, it's, it, it there's so much momentum for the Lions being it's, the sneaky team yeah. that's got me a little, uh, you know, a little on guard. Like it all happened at once too. It was yeah, really right, weird. right. Um, but but your point about Bevel and his system and the perfect fit with the weapons they have is spot on. 
Like it is out there. They, they should, he should have a 5,000 yard passing season. Sure. Realistically. And honestly, like if Bevel does any self-reflection about the first early half of last season, like they didn't, they weren't aggressive enough later in games. Like they took yeah. their foot off the gas too much, like at halftime, like great like week one, like how in the world do you let the Cardinals come back and, Ow. you know, and tie that game was like absolutely insane. Um, you know, you know, and then, and similarly, uh, you know, they couldn't quite put away games. And I think a lot of that was because like they, you know, they, Patricia, <sighs> I, I'm not my guy. Like Patricia's not my guy. In the same way Vrabel is my guy, like I'll go to war for Vrabel. Patricia's not my guy. But uh, the yeah, he just like was too too much too conservative. Like okay, well we have a lead, let's run the ball now. But you didn't have any kind of a semblance of a run game. Like you well, like, really did, just you like, didn't that, have that play against Arizona in week one, where they come out and they ran some kind of like naked boot. Where, uh, where, oh God, it's the guy who used to be in Seattle, the, the running back who catches the pass. I can't, I want to say Joey Bell. That's obviously not it. Um, it was, uh, well, I'll tell you a second. He's running wide open and Stafford is about to throw it to him and it's going to be a huge, JD McKissick. It's going to be a oh, huge wow. completion. Bug is assaulting me. Finally killed him, I think. Got him. Uh, and, and, uh, Patricia calls timeout and Stafford is just like, what are you effing kidding me? Like this game is over. I'm hitting him for a touchdown right there. And I do think that there's something to be said for dudes who are playing for their jobs. Yeah. You know, and these guys are playing for their jobs. So you could see them come out Mm -hmm. and maybe be a little more aggressive. We'll see. Yeah, Um, I mean, I hope so. They, they really have nothing to lose because the NFC North is entirely, entirely winnable. Yeah, absolutely. It really is like every, every other team in your division took a step backwards. Like, it's now or never. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, take a quick break. We'll come back, and we'll talk Defensive Player of the Year and Offensive. We'll we'll talk Defensive uh, Rookies and Offensive Rookies and all those other awards. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, so MVP odds in the book. Let's talk some defensive player of the year and other awards. Start, yeah, we'll start with defensive player of the year. There's no offensive player of the year odds out there. And you got to remember when you're betting on these that you have to also, as we point out with the narrative, this is not like you're not betting on who leads the league in sacks. Right. This is not a statistically, not an entirely statistically driven thing. As I point out all the time on this podcast, Pete Prisco has a vote for these awards. So good luck getting in the head and the mind of Pete Prisco. You know, you don't want to be there. It's like the, you ever watch Rick and Morty, Drew? Yes, I love that show. Right, it's, it's great. So you know the episode where they do the Inception? It's like one of the first few episodes. Yes, it's yes. Like they go to this really dark, they keep going to these darker and darker dreams. Yes. Pete Prisco's head. Scary you Terry. Wanna, yeah, scary <laughs> Terry, right. You don't want to be involved in Inception uh, with old Scary Terry. Uh, yeah. Pete Prisco. So, but I do think the Defensive Player of the Year is a little easier to navigate. Yeah, for sure. Again, 
when we look at the criteria, you need to have a, you probably need to have a winning team or a team yeah. that is at least better. The right. overall defense has to be good and the guy needs to produce statistically. Now, Stefan Gilmore is sort of a rare case because he just sort of, you know, like he just sort of dominated and exploded on the scene and he was on a, like an epic Patriots defense. He didn't need to have 40 interceptions to win. Right. Um, but by and large, you're looking, I don't you agree that you're looking like who leads the league in sacks? Pretty much. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's not, I agree. You were kind of like, it's soft that it has to be a good team. Like you can't be on a five team. Like it, you can't be on a bad team. You can be on an eight and eight team. Um, but it's a, an award that is kind of consensus. This is the best defensive player in the league. Like, yes. you know, like this, this guy is the best, you know, and they kind of, you know, there's a torch passing, so to speak, uh, you know, from guy to guy who they kind of anoint the best player in the league. She, you know, JJ Watt, uh, uh, Aaron Donald, uh, you know, and, and I think you're right. Gilmore last year won, not because of how many interceptions he had, but it was almost like a carryover, like people in the off season kind of reflecting on the Patriots Super Bowl run were like, man, Gilmore was freaking awesome. You know, and that whole playoffs, he was so good. He locking down X, Y, and Z. Like he was, he was a huge part of why the Patriots won the Super Bowl. And then they come into the, the next season and over the first eight weeks, the Patriots had, you know, like, like statistically one of the most impossibly good defensive performances you've ever seen. Now, in hindsight, they played some absolute, you know, dog's breath quarterbacks. Like yeah. that was a really, really easy schedule that they had. No, it wasn't a it historically was so great easy. defense. It was a historically bad group yes, of quarterbacks they played. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Right. It was. They, they were good, but they were playing like you know the the you know the sisters of the poor or whatever. Um. And so yeah, that kind of built the narrative for Gilmore. I didn't think he. I wouldn't wouldn't have been my pick last year. Okay. But that's fine. That's fine. Um, and I, I would, I really would have a tough time seeing it going to a, um, uh, defensive back this year for sure. Uh, oh. I think almost certainly you're looking all, you know, at a handful of pass rushers who can compile statistics, like you said. Um, and there's some guys that are going to be absolute monsters. Uh, overall, I would say that the league right now is relatively, um, you know, it's relatively young, inexperienced and poor at defense, at offensive tackle. Right. And I think that there are a handful of absolute standout pass rushers that are worth giving some serious consideration to. So, uh, I think you'll, you'll see some, uh, some pretty eye popping sack numbers this year. There's a couple of units in particular who have just, you know, depth and waves and waves of guys, uh, that are going to be able to, you know, get after the quarterback. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's there's really only like five or six candidates as I look at this list, to be honest with you, all of the long shots I think are worth uh, kind of. uh, All right. I I agree. I don't like any of the favorites. Like do not bet on Aaron Donald at six to one. Oh yeah. A lot has to happen. The one guy up top that I do like is miles Garrett at 20 to one. And I think you can find him at 25 to one in some places. And this is a little bit narrative driven, but if he plays 16 games, it doesn't get suspended for blasting Mason Rudolph's face with the helmet. And the Browns can make the playoffs and he gets 15 sacks. Yeah. That's a lot. You're asking a lot, but I think that's, I mean, he's, he's close to averaging a sack a game. Like yeah. if he has 15 to 16 sacks, I think he's got a very good chance of making it. Do you think Miles Garrett is too underpriced or is just about right? Do no, think I think that's just about right. I had him at this almost same price last year and I'm, I was bummed oh. that I, I was bummed that he got suspended when he did because he, he wasn't going to win anyway. Cause they he, were so, uh, I, he was, he was coming into his own though. You know, I think know, maybe I, know. I don't think they were going to steal a wild card spot. Um, but, uh, you know, just you know, based on what his contract is, like it's not crazy that people around the league are looking around like who's the best defensive player in the league right now. 
you'll get some answers will be Miles Garrett. Um, and you know, just from a, the only, you know, the guys at the top here, um, I'm out on Aaron Donald with you. That is, I do not think he has a realistic shot here. Um, there have been way too many important pieces lost, uh, in terms of depth for the Rams defense. The Rams defense is like defines stars and scrubs now. Yes. And, uh, it all, you know, like if you want to stop Aaron Donald from disrupting your, uh, you know, your offense, you know, put two, put three hats on him. Like you're going to be able to take him out of the game. Uh, JJ Watt similarly on a relative stars and scrubs unit on top of the fact that if JJ Watt plays a full season, um, I would be impressed. Uh, you know, he is a, you know, huge candidate for injury at his age and, you know, how much usage he's had to this point in his career. Um, I look at, uh, Khalil Mack in the same sort of way. Like they've, you know, I know a lot of people have built up the Bears defense is going to be back. We added these pieces, but they lost a ton of depth as well. Um, and realistically, you know, one or two injuries to any players on their defense and, you know, it becomes pretty, uh, straightforward taking Mac. Akeem Hicks team. got hurt last year and Khalil yes. Mack disappeared. Oh, that was it. One guy. That was when that was one guy. One guy. Uh, yeah. so, I think we yeah. talked about that on the deep dive pod, maybe. I might have. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was wild. Uh, cause yeah. it, you know, who knew a key, you know, and that, that kind of, that's kind of a huge element of a good defense. Like you need depth. You can't just rely on one or two stars. Um, because your guys are going to get hurt over the course of the season. Like even the Niners who had, you know, a historically good defense last year, um, their performance over the first eight weeks compared to the last eight weeks was totally different. And a ton of that came down to, uh, you know, just a couple of key small injuries that affected their depth. Um, Nick Bosa, I'm also going to steer clear of at nine to one, um, you know, staying on kind of the Niners there, mostly just because for whatever reason, he just can't get home. Like he's so disruptive and hurries and, you know, and pressures. Um, but, uh, you know, going up against guys like Kyler Murray, going up against Russell Wilson, four games a season, like you just can't get those guys down. He's not quite fast enough. It's Good very point. frustrating. Uh, so I'm going to steer clear of Nick Bosa plus Niners defense. I honestly, I will be surprised if the narrative, if the expectation, uh, across the media landscape is that the Niners defense is as good this year as it was last year. I think almost certainly it's going to take a step back. Um, and, uh, you know, steering clear of Joey Bosa as well. Uh, thinking, you know, that Chargers are going to get very, very little attention here. Uh, not expecting much out of this unit really at all, even though they have a, a solid defense and, you know, they'll probably be a top. Hey, Derwin, Derwin James is out. I'm out. I know. Same, 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 same feeling. So then you're, then you're down into guys that I think uh, are worth giving some serious consideration to. TJ Watt, number one at 16 to one. Steelers, they returned everything. They have guys coming back off of injury, even who, uh, you know, guys like Stephen Tuitt last year was, you know, missed most of the season and, and they've added some depth. They have some young guys like Minka Fitzpatrick and, uh, and, and, uh, Devin, uh, the, uh, linebacker who they drafted early, uh, the previous season, Bush. No, as White or Bush? Bush, right? Anyway, the, the uh, they have, White is Bush is Steelers. Yeah, Bush, Bush is Steelers, Steelers and White yeah. is, uh, Bucks, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, too easy to get those guys confused. Anyway, oh, yeah, Bush. Bush is getting, you know, another year older. Bud Dupree is a fine complimentary player. Uh, you know, you have some, uh, overall talent on that Steelers defense that, you know, it's going to give TJ Watt the opportunity to, uh, compile stats really is what it comes down to. And like, if there's one thing that the media loves to glom onto, a brother of a guy who used to be the best defensive player of the mm. year is now the best defensive player of the year. Like that's, that's, that is, it's, it's Taylor, it's Taylor made for, uh, you know, sports center segments and 
columns and everything. So TJ Watt absolutely has to be in the mix at 16 to one. Miles Garrett, I agree with you, has to be in the mix at 20 to one. Uh, and then, uh, other guys that I think can realistically compile massive statistics. Uh, I don't hate, uh, Yannick Ngakwe at 40 to one. Uh, you know, that, that's kind of a nice, uh, deep offensive, uh, defensive line that they have now, uh, in Minnesota with uh, Ngakwe and Hunter. Um, I love Hunter. He's a, you know, he's a super solid player, but his price is a little short of 25 to one. Um, and, uh, that's, there was a couple other guys I had circled here. Uh, Kalei Campbell at 40 to one isn't crazy. Uh, the Ravens are going to have an absolute, they've invested so much money on this defense and they, uh, you know, they have a unique scheme where they blitz quite a lot and, uh, he should be the beneficiary of a lot of the pressures and a lot of the sacks given that, uh, uh, he's still got a little bit left in the tank. So that's the, I think you kind of still want to spread it around, uh, in this category because, um, you know, it's tough to really project out who's going to uh, compile the statistical categories, but TJ Watt and Miles Garrett absolutely have to be circled at the top of the list. Yeah, I agree with you. I would throw Darius Leonard on there. And I know that I just, we just preach that pass rushers are key, but Darius Leonard was banged up a little last year and had a down season. Like, like if you look at his stats, he had a monster rookie year out of nowhere because he's out of South Carolina state, uh, second round pick by the, by the Colts last year, he had a down season, 13 games because he was hurt. Five interceptions, one touchdown scored, seven passes defense, two forced fumbles, five sacks, 121 tackles, seven tackles for loss, and six quarterback hits. Like, that's that's a really good season, and they did it in 13 games. And I just think if DeForest Buckner – because DeForest Buckner isn't going to win Defensive Player of the Year. I just don't – I don't – unless he just – Unless they just, unless he just turns into an edge monster out of nowhere. Like I think he's going to be more concentrated on beefing up the interior. He will get a sacks, of course, but I, I think Leonard is a guy where if Buckner plays 16 games and transforms that defense and they become a top 15 unit, Leonard is going to have the peripheral stats and he's going to, he's going to, you're going to see him on highlights. And that matters when you talk about the narrative and he's, uh, what is he? 40 to one as well. So I like, yeah, I like yeah. Leonard there. I wouldn't hate, uh, Hold on, I gotta play this. I wouldn't hate this guy. Tyron Matthew. That is, uh, John Breeze <laughs> pronouncing Tyron Matthew. I wouldn't hate him. Um, but I, I just think. 66 to 1 is good. It's not terrible, but I, I agree with you. Like, you want these pass rushers. Um, an interesting name. If he can stay out of trouble. Ed Oliver at 100 to 1. Mm. He, he's got an Aaron Donald-like skill set. And if you look at his snaps, if he, I think he's at like 50% snaps last year. If you can get up to 80, and he can get like 10 sacks from the interior and the Bills win 12 games and win the AFC East and they have the best defense in football and Oliver makes this leap forward and he's sort of the face of it. I, I can, I can see that happening. I don't mind splashing a little bit on him, uh, at a hundred to one. Yep. The only other guy I kind of, uh, I like the Tyron Matthew call. Uh, I don't disagree with any of your takes there. Those are all, those are all very guys, guys that are definitely in the mix. The, um, Tyron Matthew is kind of same sort of vein as Steph. Fawn Gilmore kind of getting a ton of credit after the fact. Yes, uh, I would agree. For the that. Chiefs defense to run last year, right? So it's tough to say what you're going to get out of the Chiefs defense this year. You know, you're, it's, buying, it's, you're sort of buying high on Matthew. Yeah, you, you yeah, well, to, to a degree. But, but I mean, 66 to, to one, right? It's not really. Yeah, it's not buying that. High. <laughs> so right, right, it's yeah. uh, it's it's not bad. Um, and you know, I think uh, uh, I there, there there's enough guys on this list. Who I just have, I think have zero chance <laughs> that, yes. that I don't mind taking some additional swings here. Like, like Byron know, Jones. What is he? Byron, what are you doing? Yeah. Great question. Richard Sherman had a, effectively a late career season last year. 
uh, you know, he's 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 gonna even if he repeats his season, which is hard for me to buy into. That he so David Clowney's twenty two to one, and he's not signed. Yeah, he's not <laughs> and, and that's not knocking William yes. Hill or, or the odds, but like the reality is that when these when these guys, there's some value and there's some EV, there's some plus EV action here because yeah, big names are gonna get pushed up the board, and if you can identify somebody as the next breakout star or somebody yeah. who has a a big Derwin James is still on here. He's not going to play this year. Derwin James not playing this year. He's not. He should not be twenty-five to one. I'm going to go on record. That is a bad price. Do not um. bet Derwin James. Um, all right, let's stick. Let's stick with the rookies and go to uh, defensive rookie of the year. The obvious favorite, Chase Young, three to one. Isaiah Simmons, eight to one. Patrick Queen, eleven to one. AJ Epinesa, fourteen to one. I mean, that's again. This is I'm not knocking these guys who are making the lines. It's hard to make defensive rookie of the year lines. For but like sure. four, I mean, AJ Benessa is going to come in and have enough sacks where he wins. Kenneth Murray, 20 to one. Jeffrey Okuda, 20 to one. Javon Kinlaw, 25. Derek Brown, 25. Kayla Von Chason, 25. CJ Henderson, 25. Ashton Davis, the safety, uh, 28 to one. And then you really start to drift off to, um, is there anybody who's a long shot that you could get behind or, or anybody up at the top of the board that you think is value? Yes. This is, it is insane to me. That Chase Young is not even odds. It is insane to me that Chase Young is not even odds. I do not understand what they, why they are giving you such a fair price here. Um, I, first of all, most of the defensive players who are going to get, uh, significant roles this year, uh, kind of at the top of the draft are, are cornerbacks. And if you've been following football long enough, you know how difficult it is to, um, stand out as a young cornerback. There is just so much to learn about the position. And so, you know, you're, you're exposed so often over the course of the season. It's just really, really, really hard, uh, to be a standout player as a rookie in the defensive backfield. Um, so almost certainly I'm looking at linebackers who can compile tackles or uh, defensive players who can compile sacks. And Chase Young is really the only guy that I think fits either of those categories. And you're putting him on a team that is absolutely loaded with first-round talent in the front seven. The Washington football team, you look at those names and you look at where they're drafted, you look at their pedigree, you look at how they performed even last year. That is a super solid defense. Right now, everyone kind of kicking the Redskins around like they're, uh, you know, this – for sure the 31st or 32nd best team in the NFL, um, I would much, I would go out on a limb and say that they are going to surprise people in terms of wins, in terms of defensive play, just on the basis of you have so much talent on that defense and you've now added, uh, you know, a generational pass rusher in Chase Young. Uh, if he, you know, his, his downside is a potential injury and I don't know what else uh, prevents him from winning this award. Reasonable. Uh, like I, I think fair price should be even odds on this one for this guy. I agree. I agree. I agree with that. I have no problem taking. And we just said don't take the favorites and like MVP and all that stuff. But <laughs> this, this is, is a different story. Yeah, yeah, this is a different story. And uh, and uh, and oh by the way, like if the Redskins surprise and somehow wins Washington football, or, team. Wash, excuse me, if the if the Washington football team somehow surprises and wins six seven games, right? Let's say, let's say that, that let's say that that Thanksgiving they're playing the Cowboys and the. Uh, and the Washington football team is, uh, what would they be like? Yeah, four five and, and five or, right, you know, sure, you know yeah. like the narrative is going to be, Hey, 
can you believe it? They're in the mix. Like they could get that seventh wild card, to, you know, spot. Like people are going to be, you know, talking about what a surprise it is that they're, you know, that they're in the mix, and it's all going to be because of defense. They're not going to be winning games because their offense is going to explode all of a sudden. Right. Um, it's going to be based on the fact that uh, you know you have this just unbelievable talent, waves and waves of uh, players you can pass rush. And what is what does this sound like? This sounds exactly like what the Niners did last year. Exactly. Like you you know you have. Waves exactly. of pass rushers. Yeah. Yeah. It waves, just waves of guys. And, you know, first round picks all across your front seven and you add, uh, you know, the clear best defensive player in the draft. Like this is a, this is a slam dunk for Chase Young. Okay. I, I, I have no problem with that. The other guys I would look at would be Kenneth Murray at 20 to one. And now this was a lot. I like this a lot better when Derwin James was healthy because if the Chargers defense was great, and Kenneth Murray piled up tackles in the middle. 20 to 1. If he leads the league in tackles and Chase Young just sort of stumbles, then there's some value there. Um, man, I, I agree with you. This, this is a very cornerback and secondary heavy draft. And actually that even plays into Chase Young even more. Yeah. Like, the, I mean, you cannot take a cornerback. Do not take a defensive tackle and do not take a cornerback to win defensive player of the year. They're just, the impact isn't going to be there. If I were looking for a longer shot though, the one guy who's sort of interesting to me would be Kyle Duggar. Ooh, yeah. 40, okay. 40 to one. Okay. He's Bill Belichick's first over, first overall pick in this entire draft. They, you know, they lose Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower. Not that, you know, Duggar's playing Hightower spot, but they, they've lost guys due to opting out. We still think the defense will be good. Maybe Duggar can make an impact in, in year one. And, you know, if guys are great under Bill Belichick, they're going to get credit. They're going to get more focus. Um, so if I was picking a defensive back, I would look at maybe either him or, or Jeremy Chin. If Jeremy Chin could go monster for the, uh, for the Panthers as a safety. So I think those two guys could make sense, but by and large, I don't think, Oh, I know one more Antoine Winfield for the Buccaneers. Ooh, yeah. he's, You're dropping he's, him in a really good, good, a really good, def- a really good defense that's strong up front that has some decent secondary pieces. He's a ball hawk. So he can get you numbers. So at 50 to one, I don't mind splashing that, but I think if Drew, if we're building out a portfolio for this, Allocate 50% of your defensive rookie of the year assets to Chase Young and then just sprinkle a couple other guys, right? Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, Yeah. And, and cause like I said, that like I've, I think fair price for him should be even odds, right? So 50% of your, you know, 50% of your, you know, DROI uh, portfolio is Chase Young. That's fine. Um, and the downside risk is literally that, uh, you know, he somehow gets hurt. Um, but you know, it's he's. I'm bought into the generational nature of Chase Young, and uh, I bought into uh, the the Washington football team defense being uh, surprisingly good. Uh, I will Venmo request you for uh, one one dollar for uh, your our, our Washington swear jar. Every time Very we good. say the R word, we will we're, we're putting a dollar into a swear jar. Apparently, so which means I'm going to be dead broke by the end of the season. <laughs> I can't I can't stop freaking saying it. All right, uh, let's close up with the offensive. Rookie of the year, to no one's surprise, the big favorite here is Joe Burrow at uh, plus two twenty-five. Clyde Edwards-Helaire was six to one until Damian Williams opted out. So if you're going to take Clyde Edwards-Helaire, I hope you did it before. He's now three and a half to one. Doesn't exactly entice me. Tua eight to one. We don't know if he's starting. Jonathan Taylor twelve to one. Don't know if he's starting. Henry Ruggs at fourteen to one. He'll be starting. He and uh, Ceedee Lamb also fourteen to one. Judy sixteen to one. DeAndre Swift, 18 to 1, Cam Akers, Justin Herbert, J.K. Dobbins, and Justin Jefferson, 20 to 1, Jalen Rager, 22 to 1, Keyshawn Vaughn, 22 to 1, and T. Higgins, 25 to 1 is the top of the list. 
Does anybody pop out to you? Do you have the same Joe Burrow feeling as you do about uh, Chase Young? I don't. Um, and it could bite me here. I'm going to steer clear. I'm going to, I'm going to bet against the, the chalk here. Um, and you know, man, I, you know, I, I let the Clyde Edwards Hilaire, um, excitement post draft. I kind of poo pooed it like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many, how much opportunity is he really going to get? Uh, and that was to my detriment because early prices on Clyde were like in the teens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. I mean, you can't reasonably know that. No, you know, there's no way. No, there's right. no way. But it speaks to this category overall, which is that if you, uh, you know, Joe Burrow is going to have plenty of opportunity, but I have a huge red flag, which is that his offensive line is absolute trash. Uh, it is probably a clear, in my opinion, at least, it's a clear bottom five offensive line, which yeah. means you're in this system where you're going to be asked to let plays develop downfield and you're going to be running for your life and it's your first year in the league. And you don't have a ton of, uh, you know, check down, uh, you know, solid check down options. I worry about and And I think Joe Burrow is a little small for the NFL at mm. this time. I think he needs to get a little bigger. Uh, so I worry about Burrow making 16 starts, to be honest with you. Um, wow. That's kind of cooled me off on any kind hot of Cincinnati. Day. I'm cool on any any Cincinnati um, kind of uh, you know, bullishness, really. Um, just cause, you know, if, if something happens to Burrow and he misses a few starts, you got Ryan Finley coming in. Uh, like it, it's, it could get real ugly in Cincinnati this year, uh, until they upgrade that offensive line. Um, and oh, by the way, you're in a division with the, uh, Miles Garrett, who we mentioned, TJ Watt, who we mentioned, uh, the Blitz Happy Ravens, who we mentioned. Like it's a, is not a, is not a, not a great, not a great, uh, you know, soft landing for, for poor Joe Burrow this year. Um, so I'm, I'm willing to bet against him. Okay. Uh, I think two is also not a price I'm interested in taking at all just because of the injury question marks, because uh, of the lack of a, of a, a full preseason here. I it think might not start. Be, it might be Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick. I mean, yeah. Fitzpatrick could reasonably start half of or more of this season, uh, which means that the entire, the, you know, if you're looking past those two quarterbacks, the rest of the board all comes down to opportunity. Who is going to get the opportunity? It's and it's going to be something weird like a holdout. I mean, or like a like an opt out, like what happened with Damian Williams and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like you're going to need uh, some luck. Uh, you know this. Whereas a lot of what we've talked about to this point has been kind of a more effective. Yeah, you know, for lack of a better word, it was a handicap, right? I think betting offensive rookie of the year is a gamble because you're going to have to bet on a guy that happens to uh, get opportunity because the guy ahead of him on the depth chart gets hurt uh, or. Uh, you know, in the case of Henry Ruggs, for instance, this is a good example. Like he's 14 to one because he's now the number one wide receiving option uh, on that team, uh, you know, you know, out of, out of the blue here. And it's it's going to take something like that uh, for these guys to have opportunity to compile stats. Um, the guy I circled out of this mix uh, was J.K. Dobbins at 20 yeah. to one. Um, I personally, Mark Ingram faded big time down the stretch last year. He's getting up there in age. Um, the running back position is, is maybe as important to the Ravens as any other team, just because of how dynamic their rushing attack is, you know, just, just what they can do from a running attack standpoint is so awesome. Uh, and he fits their system perfectly. He's gotten, you know, monument, massive speed. He was a steal where they got him in the draft. I thought, you know, I'm not a, I'm not, uh, a running back draft truther. I don't mind taking a second round running back at all. 
It's not that big uh, of an expense. It's, I don't it's understand not, why no. people are so hot and bothered about it. Like, I, yeah, I really don't get it either. I'd rather have a talented player who can plug also, and play immediately him, if I'm on the cusp of You got him for ball. cost control for four years. If he's a great player, it's a tremendous yes. investment. Great, exactly. Like, I, yeah, pick a guy off the scrap heap, make a trade for, a, you know, you trade a fifth round pick for a Matt Breida. Like, that's a fine d- way to go about your running back position. Taking a J.K. Dobbins second. Uh, second round is fine. And he's, I, I just like him as a player. Like he's just a very solid player. Uh, I don't, you know, you, if you watch any college football, you don't need to know that OSU produces pro football players. So, um, JK Dobbins absolutely in the mix at 20 to one for me. Um, I mean, I like him better than like Cam Akers or DeAndre Swift, uh, who I can see, uh, you know, really having a tough time, um, you know, kind of wrestling control of the, you know, RB1, uh, so to speak. Uh, similarly, Henry Ruggs is very, very raw. CeeDee Lamb, awesome, awesome offense. That offense is going to be so freaking good. But how is he going to get 100? But exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's clearly the third option. Like, you know, Gallup has amazing chemistry with Dak, uh, and Amari Cooper might be the best wide receiver in the NFC. Like, yeah, you know, CeeDee Lamb clearly the number three on that team for right now. Um, they have an embarrassment of riches. It's tough to see how much opportunity he's going to get without an injury. Um, Similarly, Jerry Judy, I'm not a Drew Locke guy. I'm not a, uh, a Denver Broncos guy this season. I have yeah. huge questions about their offensive line uh, and what Jerry Judy's role is going to be, you know, especially because, you know, Cortland Sutton, I think, is a true uh, wide receiver one in that offense. So Jerry Judy's going to be picking up scraps a little. Um, so it's, you know, I, I can rule out a lot of these wide receivers who are kind of in the mix here um, and uh, just kind of focus on J.K. Dobbins and maybe look down the board a little bit for a long shot. Yeah, I agree. I like I like Dobbins a lot. And John Harbaugh came out this week and said that he believes you – know, he said, like, Dobbins is going to have a big part of that. And like, some of this is coach talk in the preseason, and we haven't seen Dobbins run. But they're they're going to run a ton. And I would venture a guess, Drew, that if the Ravens are playing well and win a lot of games early, yeah. that in the middle of the season, in order to – because remember, Mark Ingram went down against the Titans, and that offense stopped. Yep. You almost wonder if they might preserve Mark Ingram by utilizing J.K. Dobbins more throughout the year. Maybe some Justice Hill too, but they invested highly in Dobbins. Uh, some of the longer shots I like, and I agree with you. I, I don't um, the, the Broncos thing. I, I like the Broncos. I love the talent. Lock has started five games. Yeah, and all these against, guys are young. against some bad defenses too. Yeah, like he had, and <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's just a little it's a little high for me. I think I actually wouldn't mind the two longer shots, three longer shots. I don't mind. Uh, one, LaVisca Chenault at 33 Ooh. to one. I love LaVisca Chenault as a player coming out of Colorado. Uh, I thought he could have been a first round pick. I think he's, I, he's not like an elite route runner per se or like a super heady wide receiver. Like he's just a beast. And if, if they're smart and Jay Gruden is smart, if he gets the ball in his hands and like I heard, I know Evan Silva mentioned this the other day. It's not even like that crazy. They could use him as like the goal line back there. Because they don't have anybody with Fournette on. So at that price, I would be interested in like a, a small investment. Michael Pittman, a bit of a longer shot, but 50 to 1. Um, Frank Reich said he thinks he's the best wide receiver in the draft. You got to compete with T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell for targets, but he could be T.Y. Hilton is probably going to get injured at some point, though. So. Yeah, and maybe, he, maybe, he's just there. The, maybe he's just the red zone guy, right? Um, yeah, sure. And then, uh, AJ Dillon at 50 to one. I don't, I, I like AJ Dillon as a player at Boston College. I don't like where the Packers took him because I think he's a non-pass catching running back in the second round. And I thought it was a poor investment, but if Aaron Jones gets hurt and they just lean on AJ Dillon and he has 1200 rushing yards, we saw where 
Josh Jacobs easily could have beaten Kyler Murray last year for rookie of the year if he'd been healthy the whole season. So I think those are the three longer shots I, I don't mind taking a, taking a look at. Mm, yeah. I don't disagree with any of those calls. The only one I'm going to add to your list here. Yeah. Are we sure Wentz is going to start 16 games? Woo! I mean, Debo, he's... By the way, Debo, Debo is a huge Eagles fan. So this is delight. I didn't tell him to say this, Debo, but it was delightful <laughs> that he got that in there. I, uh, I mean, it's like, I know he's hurt right now. The shot that he took in the playoffs last year was, are we going to start oh. one game? What if Jalen Hurts is just this Eagle starter from jump street and he's 80 to one. Yeah. The rookie of the year. They got a good team. <laughs> They're a good team. Yeah. Like, you know, like, and I, I got to always tip my hat to our uh, friend Preston Johnson sports shooter for this. Um, years ago. Uh, Dak Prescott's rookie year. Uh, I think it was between week preseason games, week two and three. Uh, he, he tweets out, man, why is Dak Prescott 500 to one for rookie of the year? Like, this is crazy. Oh, like right. Tony Romo, he's like one shot away from, you know, being done for the season. And the rest of the Cowboys are awesome. Like they're going to be good even with Dak Prescott. Did so he, why, why, why is he 500 to one? And then like, it? He he bet it. He got five hundred to one. He wow. he moved the market big time. It came into like a hundred to one. By the time I saw it, I got a little at like a hundred to one ish. And um and sh- like no joke. Three days later, their preseason game number three, Tony Romo got a shot in the back against the Seahawks. I think didn't play a single snap that whole season. And Prescott was freaking awesome. And it cruised. The, the, the only the only the only challenge with Prescott for the offensive rookie of the year was Zeke. Yes, that's right. No, no, Zeke. I guess right. it was Zeke, right? They dropped. They might have, I think they split it. They, I think they split. The oh, no, Dak definitely won, but there was they like did. a debate about. Oh, okay, it was yeah. definitely they, the same draft. Yeah, they were absolutely the same draft. I yeah. absolutely they were. Yeah, um, so, but, uh, but yeah, fact, that was that was wild. So that, count, that well, on, the, on the other side of that, in 2016, I was charged with writing a ranking the backup quarterback situations in the NFL from uh, best to worst. Okay, and I ranked the Cowboys dead last because <laughs> my argument was. Right, but it wasn't even like I don't like Dak. I because Dak beat the, sh- the snot out of NC State in the bowl game in the Belk Bowl like a few months before. I love Dak, but they had Kellen Moore ahead of him, and then Kellen Moore breaks his leg. It's like, well, I mean, like oh, it was like, right. like Kellen Moore was taking snaps ahead of Dak Prescott. Dak that's was going right. to be third string all season long, and then he comes out and does that. So yeah, good, good that call right. on that on right. Preston. By the way, could Preston? I, I don't think he's listening, but. Could he be a little less vague in tweeting out the plays he likes in the NBA? <laughs> Can he just be like, I, I know I said that the British do a good job of it, but he's like, you know, I think that 752 yeah. could be a high scoring affair. Or like, I, I, realistically, with great power comes great responsibility, you yeah. know, and there's a lot of people that are on his timeline just looking for degenerate action. And he's probably uh-huh. a little conscientious of that, I would guess. That's probably, like, I know, uh, Dan Lifshatz. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. He tweeted out like somebody was like, "You picked against the Celtics," as, or like, "You picked against the Celtics with the Raptors." That's what you get, you clown, you hater. How dare you do that? He's like, "I'm not trying to like reverse yeah. jinx or jinx anybody. I'm rooting for the Celtics, but I think yeah. the Raptors were the play." And then, yeah. frankly, and they were talking about the game too. The they Eastern definitely were the play. <laughs> they were the play. Yeah, Marcus Smart doesn't go nuclear for you know for two minutes, then you know the Raptors win game two and they're back in the series. So yeah, yeah. it was a good play, fair play. Uh, Realistically, like I like Carson Wentz. He's you know like I, I hope hope for him to have a fully healthy season. Um, but I like Jalen Hurts too, and the fact that they made a move to take him in the second round, like that tells you something, 
right? Like they're like we're not the only ones that are concerned about Carson Wentz's well being here. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I think yeah. it, it's a great point on Dak. Like if he gets hurt, let's say he gets hurt four games in, Carson sure. Wentz gets hurt. Yeah. Are the Eagles still, I, I'm saying are they for, still in the mix for the NFC, NFC East? Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. And they they beat the Cowboys, they they get the number one seed and it's on Jalen Hurts' back. I mean, that guy's gonna get buzz. Yeah. For yeah. Offensive rookie of the year. So yeah, splash a little on eighty to one. Jalen Hurts and just bank on the Carson Wentz injury uh, yep. potentially happening. Now I'm just testing to see whether Debo is back or not. <laughs> I uh, still contest that Lamar Jackson should have won Rookie of the Year two years ago. They pull Flacco and put in you know Lamar Jackson. The Ravens are out of the mix. Yeah, they are. They are not competing for the playoffs. They put in. Uh, Lamar. Did you bet on Lamar Jackson before the season? I did have him that year, yeah, because I thought Flacco – I thought there was a chance, similar kind of situation. I thought there was a chance Flacco was going to get hurt. They put in Lamar Jackson. He went 7-1 and one down the stretch and yeah. freaking hauled the Ravens into the playoffs by him by his damn self. And they gave to oh, they say Carl won it. Yeah. Oh, I, think, yeah I think Baker could have beaten out Saquon. Baker was – I know Baker or Lamar would have been a better choice, I think, than Zach Barkley in terms of impact on – you know, team's performance over the course. So of the that's, season. so oh. we got 2016, 2017, and then who won? How am I? Oh, Kyler won it last Kyler year. Was there a rookie yeah. who stepped in and took over? Drew, well, Drew Locke, like he wasn't going to win. Yeah. All, my point being is that like the last three years, there's been a guy who's like the Broncos could have won. The Broncos have won a couple more games before Flacco gets hurt. Two of those teams have all Flacco, which is hilarious. But yeah. Like, <laughs> Why he got it? Why, why, why was he the same? That honestly, part of my concern about the Broncos and their chances this season, like if your if your head coach is looking at your roster last year and is like, Flacco is our guy. Like, yeah. here we go. That's right. Like, that, I like how you whispered that. You're like, <laughs> I don't love that. I don't love it. I don't uh, love it. You. I worry about the, I worry about what's going on there from the top down. Um, but, so, uh, so, but I'm just thinking like the last three years, there's at least been one quarterback who was drafted in the first two rounds. Yeah. Right. That appeared because of because of injury or appeared because of you know like something like ju- like popped in and played a lot. Am I missing a year? I guess twenty eighteen. We have, 20, oh, we have anyway. The, the point being is Jalen Hurts is the play this year. If Wentz gets hurt, <laughs> you're sitting on an eighty to one ticket. That's probably why he's eighty to one because yeah, of Dak right. Prescott. Right. I mean, compare compare that to Tua at eight to one. Tua needs you know Tua may come in at some point, but. I don't know. Dolphins really, you know, if Tua comes in, that means the Dolphins season is over. Uh, and you know, it's, it's going to be too little too late. Whereas Hertz, uh, you know, could come in to spell Wentz. And I think you're still talking about, uh, you're still, you're still as an Eagles fan, you're still talking yourself into NSE's title. I love it. All right. Drew Densick, uh, at whale capper at whale underscore capper on Twitter. Listen to deep dive podcast. Uh, thanks as always, buddy. Good talk. Now we, we got, see, this may be the most productive actual betting show so far of the gambling week in terms of actionable items so uh, great stuff by you man talk to you soon pal always a pleasure appreciate you having me on and best luck this season the chilling new original docuseries on paramount plus why did he kill his family the answer lies across the ocean and a woman named sylvie she's a can model where desire leads to deception i ended up spending 12 and 15 thousand dollars a day it was addictive and obsession leads to murder who did this to your family you can't really maintain a fantasy forever control all desire now streaming on paramount plus